Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's a little bit of a special episode, everyone, because we're watching a film that came out last month. That's right, this film came out in July 2020. It was made in Australia. It was, in fact, made in Western Australia, which is where we're recording this podcast. It is a film called An Ideal Host. And, as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Dr. Carmen Dolly. Hey, Stephen. How's it going? I'm very well, Dr. Carmen. How are you? I am well, thank you. Excellent. Um, Carmen? Yes? You've not seen this film, which is maybe more reasonable than most films because it's only just come out. Yes, Um, yes, this is true. uh, So making this a bit more, I guess, of a contemporary cinema club, I guess, or something. (laughs) But um, what, what have you heard about this film? Um... Not a lot. Uh, mm. I keep thinking, I keep mixing that with a, an ideal husband, uh, mm. which uh, is not helpful because I know very little about that as well. Yeah. Um, for what I know, it's about a dinner party and stars some people who are known to us. And that's kind of about it. Yes. Uh, and I also haven't seen this film. So um, I'm, but I'm, I'm relatively hopeful it'll be a good experience because it is directed by none other than a frequent contributor to this program, Mr. Robert Woods. Uh, and it also features a bunch of very talented local actors. It also features Daniel Buckle, who is our <laughs> Has Seen It guest. How yeah. are you, Daniel? I'm well. Thank you for saying it features talented artists and also me. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's accurate. You know me well. Uh, I, I, I joke and I jest, but you are well, well and truly amongst that list of talented actors. Thank you. Uh, Daniel, it's lovely to see you back on the program. Great to be here. Uh, now, obviously, you have seen the film. You were in the film. Well, I've only seen it the once okay. at the premiere. Uh, ooh. So um, I've, I've <laughs> seen it once at the premiere. Mm-hmm. I was there for most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've only seen the final product with all the bits and bobs the once. Okay. So in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what can people like myself and Carmen expect from this film? Um, uh, it it sounds awful, but expect the unexpected. Um, mm-hmm. uh, no, don't, because then the unexpected will have more effect. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's just a normal romp with no surprises um, that'll have you chuckling and calm throughout. Excellent. Okay. I look forward to it. <laughs> Hang on a sec. I'm sensing subdiffusion. Uh, but yes, we, we are covering it um, because, yes, it is a locally released film and it is a film that contains uh, numerous people that we know and, of course, contributors to this program. And uh, I asked the, the board who run this podcast, consisting of me and just me, uh, I've said to the board, hey, can we cover a film that a friend of ours has directed and more friends are in? And we decided, yeah, there's actually not a conflict of interest there because it's your podcast even do what you want so (laughs) that's what we're doing but also you know this is a really good opportunity to kind of showcase some of the films uh that are being produced 
locally. Uh, this film was shot, I believe, earlier this year, was it? Uh, over the uh, summer? Not, not this year, mm. no. Um, uh, it was last year, um, around, around, around like January to February last year. Oh, so it's... Yeah, okay. No, okay there so we go. Go, it was shot over 13 days or something like that, because it was around Fringe Festival mm. for right. Perth time, so... Excellent. Yes, that's we, how I measure time. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's fringe time and non-fringe time. Correct. Which feel mm. the exact same length. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. All right. Well, with all that being said, then shall we watch an ideal host? We yes. shall. Okay. For those of you uh, listening at home, pop in those DVDs and prepare to sit down at the table and have a perfectly normal experience <laughs> as we watch an ideal host. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching An Ideal Host. And by we, I, of course, mean Daniel Buckle. Hello. And Dr. Carmen Dolly. Hello. So, Dr. Carmen. Yes. That, that was your first time watching An Ideal Host. Yes, it was. What did you think? It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. It's, it's been a while since I've actually watched a movie with a good amount of gore. So, mm. um, I was just thinking about that when we were watching the film. Um, yeah, no, it was it was really fun. It was nice to see uh, a few familiar faces in there and everyone mm. gave a really good performance. It was um, quite professionally shot as well. It mm. was uh, very well directed, good script. Yeah, mm. it, was, it was really good fun. You're listening to this, Rob? We're just <laughs> lathering you up. No, no, but in fairness, I, I agree with everything that you just said. It is such a pleasure to see a film made locally that mm. is actually like a competent and better than competent but like <laughs> competence is just kind of like what we're striving for sometimes <laughs> with, with local films um and as someone who you know used to work somewhat in the film sphere for a couple of years back in my my wee early 20s days um i've, I've seen some real shockers mm. that were made um nominally by professional crews and this this is a really well-made film that um, i think just First, first of all, it, it is it is it is good. It is it it does what it says on the tin, and then it also does what it doesn't say, do say on the tin, Dan, because there was a lot of gore, and I wasn't yes. expecting that. Yeah, the the problem I have when um, I'm talking to people who haven't seen it yet, and they're going, "Oh, cool! So would I like it?" I've got to either go, "Yes, you probably would," or "I don't know," or "No, you wouldn't," and I can't tell you why. Because <laughs> uh, if I go, "There's a lot of gore in it," are you okay with that? That gives away a lot of. Mm. Of mm. stuff. So my ma um, uh, actually said, "Oh, get get us a copy. I want to show your gran." I was like, "No, <laughs> no, this this isn't one that she will like." Oh, bless. And I'm not going to tell you why because you haven't seen it. But just trust me. Oh, but she loves the how intact your head is. <laughs> yes. It's one of her favourite things. <laughs> she used to say, "Oh, Dan, he never gets stabbed in the face a hundred times." Yeah. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah. So story is. Uh, we have a house in the rural town of Wellworth, uh, Wellworth. which is, we, we think it's in WA. We, we're not uh, not entirely sure if it's ever actually mentioned that it's in WA. I had a feeling it was, but I yeah. couldn't I mean, hear it, it any time then it, when we just watched it. It was definitely shot in WA. It was shot oh, uh, in and around the delightful town of Donnybrook. Um, and there is a couple, Liz and Jackson, who are uh, preparing to host a dinner for their friends. And it starts in a really interesting way with a practice of a proposal that is going to happen that night. They've obviously decided they want to get married 
and they're running through the proposal and you can tell that they're both sort of perfectionists about this whole thing. <laughs> and I really enjoyed that as an opening. I, I thought it was such a, such a fun way to kind of introduce these characters and their dynamic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, Carmen, you, you're, you're a married person. I am. Did, did you have any rehearsal with your proposal? I'm curious. No, do you, can I tell this story? You're allowed to, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Jason, Jason organised the whole thing and I was totally unaware. He, um, he got one of our friends who was doing stock photography at the time to message us and um, say that she wanted to do a photo shoot with, for some couples mm. uh, for stock photography. And, of course, me finally saying, no, I'm too busy. The mm. one time I, tur- I turned around and say, no, I'm too busy, sorry, turned out to be the time that Jason was trying to organise a surprise proposal for me. So right. we put it off for a few months and uh, finally Jason was like, oh, I really want to do that thing, you know, with our friend and, um, you know, maybe we should do that photo shoot. I'm like, okay, all right, all right. We'll set aside a weekend to do it. Um, so we went to Kings Park and did this photo shoot and, you know, just generic couples photos. And then at one point... Um, uh, the photographer asked me to stand up and walk away from him. And I'm like, are we are we photoshooting a fight or something here? And then mm. um, he snuck up behind me with the ring and proposed and we got it on film. And yeah, it was great. Mm. Yeah, very nice idea. So, but no, it was not rehearsed in yeah. the slightest, at least on my end, possibly on Jason's. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I mean, as someone who has also proposed to someone to get married, um, I, that, that scene gave me a little bit of gas, like it, just in terms of like watching it in, in, in a good way, yeah. in terms of like I was just watching it and going like, oh, they're, they're these sorts of people. Okay. <laughs> um, because, yeah, the, the idea of like, re- the, I think it, it's just a me thing, but the idea of like rehearsing a proposal to mm. then do publicly in front of a social group mm. was it, it, it didn't put me against those characters. It just made me aware that they're in a very different mind frame from where I guess I, I'm at. And I really whilst not, you know, like being on board with that whole idea, I loved that as a framing device. I thought it was a really yeah. great way of setting them up. What I what I really liked was um uh the sorry, I forget the um Nadia's character's uh, name. Liz. Liz. Yeah. Uh, when she's like, Oh, I've got a bit more work to do, so I'll stay up and Jackson's like, Oh, I'm going to bed, but you're making me feel guilty and she's like yeah. <laughs> <I> <laughs> That was that. great. Yeah. <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah. And I think um it, it they, they are very well cast opposite each other mm. um and and full disclosure dear listener um but you know i i i'm familiar in terms of a professional and friendly capacity with people like nadia uh, collins who plays liz and obviously mr daniel buckle oh, here don't go too far uh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, and and uh, uh, yeah about half the cast so so my my phrase my my effusive praise may come across as being biased, but um, and it probably is. But the, I am also holding a gun to Stephen. Full disclosure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Is it, wait, can you just disclose? Is it loaded or not? You'll find out. <laughs> Ooh, I don't like that. Expect the unexpected. <laughs> um, but but I, genuinely, like re- removing those social connections, I think that that Nadia's performance as Liz is is the standout performance of this mm. film and i think it's so important that 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 performance be right mm. because she's the main character she mm. is the ideal host um and we spend a lot of the time in the film with her not actually talking mm. um mm. and I, I at least me personally watching it i thought that she did a, an amazing job of conveying so much without without dialogue um, just, she's a very, yes. very good physical performer. Mm. One, mm. one of the finest I've seen. Yeah, mm. 
Um, and, and just generally, um, I thought it was a really fun and interesting group. A, a criticism I would have is I don't feel as though I, I, I got enough time with the group before stuff started going wrong for me to make connections to an extent. Yeah, I, I would agree, particularly... Um, sorry, I'm so bad with character names. The third female character... Um, Mara. Mara. Mara, yeah. Yeah. I feel like we didn't get a lot of time with her and I would have liked a bit more time with her. Mm. Um, But yeah, I do do agree with you that it might have been nice to get a bit more sort of relationship. Mm. Like you certainly got that between um, uh, Liz and... Jackson. Uh, not Jackson. Um, Daisy. Daisy. Mm. Liz and Daisy. Yeah. You've got a good relationship there, I feel like. But yeah. um, in terms of the other supporting characters, it would have been nice to have a bit more. Yeah. And um, I mean, but, I mean, ultimately, the, the film is following um, Liz primarily. Mm. You get the impression it's supposed to be Liz and Jackson. But then obviously, when we get to the dinner party and there's that bit of a twist, um, it, it suddenly does become, yeah, this film is really just about Liz. Um, but I mean, that said... Um, I, this, I I think it's maybe like just testament to how much I was enjoying it that I wanted to know more. Like I wanted mm. I wanted to know more uh, about the characters of, of Kyle and John. Yeah, mm. who you know it's a lovely idea of having two people who've just hooked up and they're basically still on their first date, <laughs> uh, but they're at this really awkward dinner thing. I kind of wanted to know a little a little bit more about both of them and just really kind of get to get to see a bit more of them but you know that's that's just uh, i suppose a bit nitpicky uh dan you're in this film oh yes yeah um <laughs> what's that like uh as in as in watching myself yeah actually yeah we'll just start there what, how was it watching yourself in this this is 170 odd episodes i haven't had the chance to ask this but what is hmm. it like watching yourself in a, in a in a performance like this i haven't actually done it very much um, at all in my life, um, I, I've done I've done a few film type things, but I usually like watch it once and then never again. Mm. Um, uh, so it wasn't as bad. I, I've gotten less, you know. Oh, why am I making that face? Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I look so terrible there. <laughs> um, uh, so I don't I don't have that anymore, which is nice. Um, but uh, it's it's. It's quite informative, really, because you see little uh, habits that you do that you're not so aware of. Um, so I probably should watch myself more often because I'll, I'll go, oh, I keep I keep doing that movement and I keep subconsciously touching my beard in this case mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, uh, but I, in this one, I, uh, like for that viewing of it, I mostly watched the people who were in the background for that, like I watched Mara when she was in the background mm. um, of of a lot of those scenes where she was passed out, um, and I'd I'd watch Brett's reactions in the in the time when they were first meeting everyone and, and all that. Um, so that was quite nice because you get to see little tidbits, and for myself knowing when each of the characters got possessed, mm. going ah that that could be interesting. Not that we were probably thinking about it at the time of filming, but uh, mm. but reading into it. So like. My character Kyle got possessed in the pub as he was asked to wait outside. So John's in the loo, and 
before we come back out of the pub, I've mm. been I've been possessed. So that right. whole time. Ah, there you go. Okay. From then, I'm interesting because I'm, I'm an alien. Because I mean, ultimately, you know, the twist of this film is that there oh, are spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fine. They're ten minutes in, they should have known. Uh, yeah, um, that the, there are aliens possessing um, people. Uh, they're these weird, squiddly, diddly, spidery aliens that shoot out your mouth and possess you. Um, it's, it's, it's unusual for, I suppose, an alien possession race to be based entirely around smooching, but I kind of, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I do have to say, the first visual reveal of that in the dark with Brett going to kiss Mara, and he leans in and you just get a couple of tentacles and it's like half a second... That was cool. I was like, at the very least, that when I was watching it, I was like, "Ooh, okay, here we yeah. go." Uh, I, I honestly didn't actually notice that. Oh, really? Um, yeah, uh, I didn't I was... actually see there were any tentacles there. See, I, I knew there was something up, but I thought it was just like a, a conventional going in for a kiss shot and then you cut away. So, mm, yeah. yeah, I didn't actually yeah, notice just, that. It's, it's very quick. Mm. Um, I, like, I think I was just obviously looking at the right bit at the right yeah. time <laughs> just to catch it. And then, obviously, yeah, um, as the as the um, film progresses. We discover that oh no, it's it's the thing, but at an Australian dinner party, which <laughs> beautiful choice, beautiful choice, everyone. Um, but yeah, and uh, it it eventually uh, devolves into uh, there only being sort of three non-possessed guests left in Liz, uh, her alcoholic childhood friend Daisy, um, uh, who was coming in and causing a ruckus during the the first half, the social half, I guess. Uh, this this human element that. Um, was being quite divisive and the character of John um, played wonderfully by Tristan McInnes Tour de Force Uh, Tour de Force I mean Tristan although the thing is knowing Tristan it almost didn't feel like he was acting um, (laughs) to an extent like he Mm. was just so naturally almost himself in terms of that he looked very comfortable Indeed, yeah. which I, I found particularly impressive because uh, for myself, whenever I've got a, a, a smaller role where he's got a handful of lines in the whole film, mm. like he's got one long sentence pretty much and, and the rest is just little reactions and little punchlines, mm. uh, I find it very stressful because I'm like, oh, I've got to get my timing right because I've just got the one shot and I've got no lead in and <laughs> all, all the rest. Um, but he, yeah, he, he did it so so naturally and so uh, effortlessly. He really did. Nice. Um, although... That said, uh, he did also have that wonderful death scene. Oh, my God. Which, again, and, th- and this is the thing that really struck me, is that the final third of the film followed what I would say would be like a very traditional uh, sort of horror thing of you're down to your lone survivor, you're down mm. to one or two people, mm. and you're seeing these truly horrible things happen and the gore is coming in. Yeah. But I've n- I, I, I can't recall seeing a character who is the victim of a possession actively fighting against the possession by killing themselves in such a prolonged way. Normally it's the type of thing where somebody like throws themselves into mm. the sun or mm. off a bridge. Into or... the sun. Yeah, 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 something like that. If it's, if, if what it's, are they in space? Yeah. If it's Zombie like, Superman. Yeah, if it's like, I don't know, like a, a, an alien's possessed you and they just crash the ship into the sun oh, or right. the one survivor gets away in the escape pod, that kind of thing. Um, but it was like... That, that again, another great physical performance, that whole process of seeing John and the possessing alien sort of like trying to stop him stabbing himself and just that whole process mm. was, was really cool and awful at the same time, but like <laughs> from a filmic sense, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite an impressive scene. Um, it did... 
yeah, I, I think the final a few minutes almost reminded me of Wolf Creek in a way in that like mm. you just had, you, you're down to your surviving few characters and you're just like seeing how much physical punishment they can endure. But mm. yeah, Tristan, I think did a really great job in that in that scene of um, just seeing that conflict and that and that that tension that kind of built up when yeah. you're watching, uh, you know, someone battle with the aliens inside themselves and then, you know, trying to trying to stab themselves and, and stop themselves being possessed. I thought it was really good. Very moving. Speaking of tension, uh, there is one shot in particular in this film, which is notable because it is so long, Daniel. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. The, the shot of when um, Mara, keep trying to call her Mary because that's, that's her actual <laughs> name. And Mara's similar. Yeah, Mary Mara is similar. Uh, when, when Mary Mara Saudi comes back in um, and from, from Brett trying to kiss her and it, and it just keeps going yeah. and going. And it's not just ah, that... It was Daisy it, coming in from Brett trying to kiss her. Sorry, yes, it was Daisy. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting them confused. because Mara wanted Brett to kiss her. Yes, but it was also because she then threw up on the floor. Correct. I'm, I'm, yep. I'm sort of like, there's so much that happens in that shot. Yeah. 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 yeah, you have Daisy coming in from the trying to kiss. You have them going, what, trying to kiss you? Brett going like, what, I haven't done anything wrong. You have Mara throwing up on the floor. Um, and it just, it just keeps building yeah. and building. And the proposal happens in there. And then they turn and then there's the fire and it, it like there's like so much of the film mm. like the key events yeah. happen in this one shot and it was it was a, i just loved it I, yeah I, like, it was it's, a great shot yeah it's this thing I, I just thought it was such a such an unnecessarily cool thing to do <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> But that, that describes it quite well. So from the get-go, uh, one of the things that they'd always talked about was we want to do a one-shot scene where, um, uh, you know, a, a lot happens and it's absolutely unnecessary, but it's just to, to try and try and show off. Um, and so a lot of practice went into that and we mm. filmed that whole scene um, probably all the way through like seven times. Okay. So not counting times we had to stop and start again. Mm. Um yeah, it was a very long night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a performer, when you when you know that you're going in for something that has such a long take, uh, which obviously in film is unusual for a take to go for minutes on end like this, uh, with so many moving parts as well, because it's not a static shot mm. either. That's the thing. Mm. It's like we see movements. We see the camera going up to certain characters to hear them whispering outside the window and then coming back and mm. spinning around and going over actors who've collapsed, uh, things like that. As a performer, how do you how do you prepare for that? Um, practice, basically. Uh, we rehearsed it a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, the the lines were a little bit tough, but it wasn't so dissimilar to a play because mm. you you don't have cuts and stuff in a play usually. Um, mm. So that part wasn't wasn't too challenging. It was really the moving about, getting everything in sequence so that the camera was there mm. uh, at the right time to capture the right moment. Um, that was the, the tough part. Because um, again, in, in a play, you, you have a fair bit of leeway in terms of when, when things can happen, so long as the person you're doing it with, it's happening at the same time. But, but you couldn't have that conversation until the camera was there and you couldn't get there early and wait outside the window because mm. you'd be seen. So it all had to be timed quite, quite meticulously and that was the tough part. Mm. Uh, and, and then... Of course, um, the slightest bit of, you know, if, if um, uh, Robert, as he was being the, the camera person, um, stumbled over uh, over a, a passed out uh, Mara or something like that, then we had to do the whole thing again. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, so that was challenging. The tiny yeah. little 
timing bits was mm. the worst. Yeah. But it's a great shot. Yeah. Like, it, it, it worked really well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's it, And, like, I think that's one of the things that I was really impressed about with, with this film was what it what it did attempt to do with its its visual um storytelling yeah um i you know there there are certain bits where it it doesn't look real to an extent where certain bits almost look comedic like particularly with the the little squidly diddly aliens <laughs> well with with which part did you not think was real with those because um, most of it was see that's just it i think that's where that that thing where the, the dissonance came across is a lot of the time I was like this is really effective and there were a couple of times where it looked very clearly animated like moving across certain surfaces or things like that almost always when it was moving across surfaces it was a puppet really yeah the okay. animated parts with with a couple of exceptions yeah. were just when it was coming out of people's mouths um, oh. and and yeah once or twice so I think when uh, Liz is under the house and she traps it in the fishbowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was that was partially animated, um, but mostly it was a, a real little puppet on mm. a on a rod, and the thing was crazy. You just had to like skitter it a mm. little bit, um, almost like you were playing with a cat, and it looked perfect. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like yeah, most of the time it looked creepy and awesome there was there was i can't remember where it is that's the problem there's one specific shot where i went that looks as though they've animated it for a particular reason and it doesn't quite work but the fact is is not so much that it didn't work boo bad film it was more that it it didn't work but so much of what they've attempted to do has worked Mm. and also this is not a film that would have had a very big budget um No. no and so the fact that even without a big budget they attempt something mm. and it's still clear what it is mm. even though it doesn't quite match up other shots within the film mm. um I've, i as a viewer found it very easy to just kind of go that's that free pass essentially like, yeah that that's cool because i think it's i think it's just yeah i'm just very appreciative of the fact that this film just really works well and i forgot at times that i was watching a film that was made by people I know. Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I would agree. Um, I think for me, the only thing I would say was that some of the night shots felt, or they looked a bit grainy. Hmm. Um, and I, I have, I'm not a filmmaker at all, so I don't really know how you would overcome that, if yeah. at all. Um, and maybe some of the night shots as well, we, we're getting close-ups of um, Liz's face. Uh, some of those, maybe the lighting could have been a little bit different so that we get more of her face rather than just one side of it. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing, which you know may just be me getting over my, over a migraine, is the shaky cam at times felt a little bit much. But yeah. you know, this is coming from the person who normally likes watching the Blair Witch Project, so that might have just been... A particular thing for me today yeah um and really that's the only thing otherwise you know it was a very professional quality and mm. you know jason and i are big fans of mystery science theater we watch a mm. lot of terrible films <laughs> this was not a terrible film you know and mm. it is it is very easy to take a lot of that stuff for granted you know like good sound and mm. and you know good shots and good mm. acting and lighting it, it all worked really well to yeah. to a very large extent in this film and it, I agree with you it was very easy to sort of um, forget that this was probably shot on quite a low budget because it looks so professional most of the time mm. I do want to give a special shout out to um, the gore 
the the use of the gore because mm. I found a lot of that um a lot of it was making me make this noise um <laughs> which even though you know that it's not real like I've I've seen some of these people in real life since then and they have all their limbs like that yeah, kind of true. thing yes. uh Sinjin Coucher is not cut in half um in real life as, at least true. Yeah. as far as I know um but but the yeah the the sort of physical gore um simulation the the, the look of like you know axes to the head or an arm getting cut off or even like the intestines dragging out on the ground when brett's being dragged by the car i i i really loved them i loved just watching how they played out um and i think that yeah the 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 appreciation and the care that's obviously gone into the fact that the gore had to look um a certain way really comes across like the fact that it's like this is a gory film and we're gonna like try and make this in as fun and interesting a way as possible yeah mm-hmm. um and i further to that i i like the um uh, the they had some of the, the classic injuries of you know an arm getting chopped off or or people were getting cut in half and, and heads exploding and stuff like that but um uh, i i really loved the uh axe to the foot that was a yeah. great shot uh, that was yeah. great like it, it one of those things that you don't necessarily see in a lot of gory thing mm-hmm. uh, a lot of gore style films uh but you just think wow that's that's so painful almost because it's less lethal <laughs> yeah. it's so painful it's like getting your fingernail ripped off as opposed to your finger it's like ah yeah mm. i know which one i'd prefer but almost i don't yeah <laughs> um and yeah i just I really loved it. Um, I, I mean, the main gore thing I loved was um, Liz uh, using the bone that's broken sticking out of her <laughs> arm to just cut into the throat yes. of Jackson in that fight at the end. And the thing is, is, a little bit of me went, that's the only weapon she's got. I, just do that. And then she did it. I went, oh my God, she did it. I wasn't expecting that. Um, this does lead us nicely on to the fact that, Carmen, you're a medical GP. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a GP. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, just like John. Yeah, just uh, like John. Um, uh, you're obviously this is a horror gore film. Yes. Um, so I'm guessing that there are certain things which are um, maybe beyond the realms of normal for the medical practice. Yes. Um, but but in terms of I suppose how those injuries uh, looked, both in terms of visually how they looked and how they looked in terms of how the actors were performing with them. Uh, how how did the gore come across? Yeah, I thought the gore worked really well for the for the most part. I thought everyone's um, reactions were very genuine. And um, I mean, admittedly, thankfully, I have not seen a lot of those injuries in real life, but um, they they seem quite appropriate. Mm. Um, the only thing I would say is if you're going to cut off your arm with an axe, maybe use a tourniquet first because it could end badly otherwise. Mm. Um, and also, yeah, maybe a few more tetanus shots and antibiotics might have helped. But, you know, we, we can't <laughs> can't have everything we want. No, we can't. <laughs> Handy hint for viewers at home. Yes, yeah. if you guess, if you have to cut off your own arm, try... Use a tourniquet. Yeah, try tourniquets. <laughs> They're great. One thumb up. Um, <laughs> can I ask, Carmen, um, yeah. uh, in, in a similar way to uh, uh, like someone who, who does a lot of camera work or something, mm. looking at a film, um, watching it can, can almost be ruined by them just seeing all the different camera shots and, yeah. and cinematography. Do you get any of that um, with your medical background, watching any gore films or, or basically anything that... Um, uh, shows 
so-called knowledge or information yeah. about about the human body or injuries or something. Yeah, look, to an extent, I think with gore, it's just it's so over the top that mm. you can still buy it most of the time, sure. honestly. But I can't watch. I tried to watch one episode of House uh, back when I was in medical <laughs> school and I was like, nope, nope, this is not happening. Haven't watched that since. Uh, and then the only other one I would say that's really been uh, not great is Doctor Strange. Um, because yeah. their their um, surgical equipment or their surgical prep in that is just so infuriatingly <laughs> terrible that uh, kind of ruins the whole film. But aside from that, I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think there's been any others that have been really problematic. I have a problem yeah. with Doctor Strange as well as a practicing sorcerer. So, yeah. <laughs> what was the issue with House? I'm I'm curious. Like, was it just His accent? divine no it was just like they were i can't even remember what it was Stephen. it was mm. they were running all these investigations and mm. and things and i'm like you're using the wrong investigations <laughs> and why did you order that at that particular time and mm. you know that that's going to be infect, affected by the inflammation and why and it just yeah it made me very angry okay yeah okay. i i now really want to watch you watch an episode of house <laughs> no. and just go oh no. <laughs> uh. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe another time. Uh, the film does end, uh, as all good. Um, as all films good do. films do. The film yeah, does it, end. It, just, does it does end. end. <laughs> yeah, it's not still going. Sorry. The film ends as all good horror films do, with um, I think more questions than answers. Mm. In terms of the, the key question being, what's going to happen next? Uh, mm. Because Liz is by herself. She's got one arm. She does that absolutely brilliant. Um, callback to setting up the various dinner parties to mm. setting up the mm. house to barricade herself in it was it was very reminiscent of um sequences from films like Shaun of the dead those like quick cut yeah. uh put together bits but also a little bit um cabin in the woods um mm. with with that the the kind of the sort of twist nature of the the horror ending to that film uh, but the idea of like the question hasn't we we don't know what is going to happen to it, but we've got a fairly good idea that it's not good because there's an entire town of possessed Australians uh, led by um, Andrea Gibbs and Sam Longley (laughs) (laughs) doing their best uh, small-town folk um, acting stuff. And there's been a great big bloody something, ship presumably, crash into the surface Mm. of the earth. Um, And she's there, she's got the the headband on, one one arm and an axe and the little flaming torch. And it's the, it's a great way to end it, but I am a little bit like oh, I, I kind of want to see what happens next. <laughs> They've set themselves up for a sequel, so yeah, I would be you never so know. up for that. That would be so great. <laughs> would you reprise your role, uh, smashed in face guy? Uh, oh well, I am I am very dead. Mm. Uh, like a lot of the, a lot of the people in this end up not just dead but very dead. Mm. Uh, I I am very dead. So you may no. be the deadest. Uh, oh well, I mean, Sinjin, you, yeah, you uh, and uh, Brett. Um, yeah, the Brett, Brett had his head squashed. I I had my head severely bashed in, but mm. he's he's flat. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're you're looking at a silver medal in terms of most dead. <laughs> um, yeah. So how 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 was it filming the sequence and the like um, in terms of where you get drowned and then stabbed in the face repeatedly? Um, the, this is. This is 100% true. That was the most physically pleasant part of the entire shoot. Okay. Um, so uh, something that I think is a, is a miracle of editing um, is you can't notice how many bugs there were in that film. You see, I was you see a few, wondering about that, yeah. But, oh my God, like biblical plague levels. There were so <laughs> many. The dinner scene, they were all in the food. There were just bugs 
everywhere. Right. Uh, you could not escape them ever. Mm. Um, so in the water was the one escape from all the bugs. Uh, and, and I mean like everywhere where we slept, just there was nothing you could do to keep them out. Mm. Um, uh, so the, the lake was really warm. It, the, there were living things in there that I couldn't identify. And it was slippery and treacherous, but um, it was free of bugs, warm and quite pleasant. Nice. Really lovely. Mm. <laughs> and getting stabbed in the face a load of times. That was... That, that was, was a prop head. Ah, okay. <laughs> Alas, it was not me. I did, I did get stabbed in the forehead, mm-hmm. um, but that was fine. Mm. Just... Just one stab. Yeah, you walked it off. It was yeah. fine. I, I did. Yeah, quite literally. Apparently, <laughs> got up and stabbed yeah. Daisy, and just kept on going. Oh, no, the the stabbing to the head was after I'd stabbed Daisy. I got drowned. Yes. walked that off. So there was so you got hurt in so many ways. I had a Lord <laughs> of the Rings death. Three mm. three endings. Yes, yes, you absolutely did. We obviously have the great pleasure of having Daniel Buckle here, uh, one of the stars of the film, uh, an ideal host. But uh, I've also had the good fortune of being able to interview the film's director, Mr. Robert Woods. Now, that full interview will be available to listen to over on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ccucpodcast. Please join up if you want to hear it. Uh, But just to give you a taste, uh, here is a little bit of that interview for you now. It's me and Mr. Robert Woods. Uh, a pair of cows that, um, not literal cows for the listeners at home that make appearances in this film, um, and apparently about your uh, unexpected turn as a as a as a cowboy as a herdsman. Oh yeah, um, yes, I believe there's footage of that. There. <laughs> I, yeah, the, I had I, I had planned to um, storyboard the entire film, mm. but there just was no time to do it. But I did have in my head a couple of specific shots mm. that I wanted and one of them was a field with people standing in it and cows in the foreground mm. and um I uh where we were staying the the cows would be um moved into whatever field they were in that day um it's a it's a operational farm that mm. we were shooting in and yeah. we were shooting on part of it um, but we were allowed to wander around and go through paddocks if we wanted to, um, which was a great help. But also it meant that um, when I would set up shots, um, the cows would just wander around and <laughs> I kind of wanted them to be, you know, foreground in a very specific spot so mm. that I could do a gag that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just um, I just threw caution to the wind and, jumped over a fence and started clapping my hands and and um getting them to just just basically hurting them right <laughs> until they were in shot and then i would run away and hit record on the camera and then start clapping action. at the actors going like come on come on hurting them yeah. in the same way <laughs> I, yeah i, I kind of direct them the same way really <laughs> mm. well if it's good enough for humans it's good enough for cows totally to hear the interview in its entirety please go over to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast and thank you to rob for talking to us over there right this is normally the part of the show where we go to the trivia section on imdb but guess what it's empty (laughs) so you're gonna have to use 
I'm DB. Yes, it's I'm DB. <laughs> I am Dan Buckle. Very nicely Very worked, good, sir. sir. Um, so yes, all of our trivia is sourced from Dan Buckle. So if you uh, find out that it's not true, don't blame me. Oh, uh, good. Uh, yes, no, we have someone actually from one of the films uh, in front of us. Uh, I, I guess, Carmen, for you and I, this is just a little bit open season, asking questions that we would like to know. Um the first thing I would like to know, I suppose, uh, Mr. Daniel Buckle, is how long was the process for you in terms of being involved with the film? Like from, hey, there's this film happening to, and you're done. Ah, right. Um, oh, it was, it, was, it was pretty quick. Um, uh, I mean, the, the filming on set process, I think, how long was I there for? Um, I think I, I came back, I think, four days, or maybe just two or three days before the rest of the people. Um, so like we, as, as our characters would die, we'd then go back. Um, so I think I was there like, oh, I want to say um, nine days, 10 days. Okay. I am maybe so wrong with that. But uh, overall, it was only a couple months from, um, hey, we're, we're doing this next month. Do you want to be in it? Um, cool, come to this reading. We did one reading. And then we all went down to Donnybrook for uh, a week and a bit and um, rehearsed down there and did it. And by rehearse, I mean we we did very, very little. We rehearsed mostly um, doing line runs to each other and then getting on on uh, on camera. And rehearsing that long scene, presumably. Yes. So yeah. that, that was the one that we rehearsed the most. Um, the others uh, would be like a quick minute rehearsal before we actually shot it yeah. the fight scenes in particular uh robert woods has got an interesting uh, technique for for uh choreographing fight scenes um he doesn't oh <laughs> so he'd go all right and action so, oh whoa, 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 whoa. What, what are we what are we doing uh oh um you you punch them uh, and then you fall back uh, and then you guys run out the door okay well we need to rehearse that oh uh Okay, go do that. <laughs> so we I would mean, work it out, and then yeah. you'd build I mean, that that surprises me though, because there were quite a lot of the 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 physical confrontation bits, like when you get punched, mm. uh, and indeed when um, when when Jackson gets punched, um, they look good. Like, oh, cool. like yeah, it was. It, it surprises me that there was little to no physical preparation in that sense, or at least that it wasn't. Uh, prepared i guess before the day well um we pretty much all had worked with each other many times and we'd all done fake fight scenes with each other a few times um mm. even if it's only slapstick on on a improvised comedy stage mm. uh, so that helped um also uh, a couple of people had sh um a little bit of fight choreography training so that helped as well mm. um uh yeah so so those two things made it less arduous than it maybe sounds okay and so how did you get involved in the film in the first place uh just from knowing the people and um uh i i don't i don't think i was filling in for anyone we had we had to to be a bit creative with the cast sometimes because um mm. coming together and casting the thing around fringe festival time was as you might imagine yeah interesting quite tricky. yeah, yeah. Um, so it had to, had to be the people who mainly either didn't have shows in the first week or who weren't wanting to do it that year. Um, and yeah, I, I think it was just from knowing them. Mm. Mm. My next question, what was the most expensive part of the film? Oh, because <laughs> oh Stephen, 
it's a it's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the most expensive shot of the film was undoubtedly um, the shot of um, Liz and Jackson helping some Rwandan orphans. Um, uh, it's a it's a photoshopped masterpiece. Oh, they didn't actually fly to somewhere. They did not. Okay. No, no. Uh, which oh, I wish. I really wish they had because that would be a good, a better story. But no, um, so it's, it's this big print that you see for a few seconds when Liz is first dressing the house and then right at the end when she's barricading the house, it gets another little appearance. But uh, due to it needing to be printed so large, uh, so quickly, and then I believe it had to be couriered up as well because the printing and the shooting time didn't quite match up. So I believe it had to be couriered up. Uh, and so it ended up, it ended up costing many hundreds of dollars right. for maybe five seconds in total. Mm. Worth it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it it's a very it, it's a very funny picture in in the sense of like building more of who those characters are and the fact that mm. their 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 mission work comes into the dinner conversation. It mm. it really strikes them as. Ah, that kind of white people. <laughs> yes, and, and that's not to denigrate people who do mission work. Like, good but, on you. Yeah, but maybe if you, if you put a photo that yeah. size in your house, maybe yeah. it wasn't about the mission work. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. yes. Um, so did you have someone specifically uh, devoted to the gore scenes to, to create those effects? Yes. Um, uh, a lovely man um, by the name of Andrew David um, Mage, uh, well, actually, actually made the... Um, oh, did he make the aliens? I'm pretty sure he made the aliens. If he didn't, sorry. Uh, uh, but if he did, well done. Um, uh, so he, he, he gave um, lessons to um, uh, Tyler and Rob and, and uh, a few other people of, you know, how, how to mix up blood and, mm. and where, where to put it and what, what to do with that sort of a thing. Um, so a lot of the blood effects were CGI, added in later, um, but then there were a lot of on-set practical things. Mm. Um, so pretty much anything gore-related, at the very least, if it wasn't um, uh, applied by by Andrew David, was was conceived by him. Nice. I do have a question about the costumes. Were you wearing your own clothes? Like, were you told to like bring a range of clothes and they picked, or did they pick clothes out for you? Because for certain characters... Like, for example, the character of Liz obviously has a couple of different looks that she she tries. Mm. So I'm imagining that maybe her stuff would have been a bit more prescribed to, to the film. But mm. in, in terms of the clothing process, did, did you have a brief as to what Kyle would wear? Or was it kind of just what you were wearing? Well, if, if, if anyone knows my usual style of dress, they will know it is not what Kyle wears. I, I have worn shorts only a few times in my life, and not willingly. Mm. Uh, uh, no, no, it was all it was all um, bought and, and pre-prepared. Mm. Um, uh, the one the one demand that I had on set this was a demand was uh, after after a couple of days of filming, I've, I've got very light sensitive eyes, and my character for some reason couldn't wear sunglasses. So I went, I, I want a I want a bloody hat. <laughs> Give me a hat. So that's why he suddenly appears wearing. It's actually Rob's own hat that he went. Ah, uh, here. <laughs> I just plucked it off his head while he was moving and gave it to me. So, yes. Right. That, that was my contribution to this costume. <laughs> that was your one demand. Yes. Your I one... A, what a bloody hat! I need a, I need a bloody hat and it needs to be in my trailer. <laughs> Actually, speaking of, I guess, trailers then, because um, you stayed up in the area, mm. what, what were the conditions like? Because obviously people, when they have in mind a film set, and we're obviously used to 
very big budget film set. So it's like, ah, yes, Mr. Downey Jr., your trailer is over here, that kind of thing. Um, what was it like uh, for for this film? In, and, and how did that, I guess, affect you in terms of the work you were doing? Uh, well, there were, there were two houses in this Airbnb-type complex thing that we were filming at, uh, one of which was the one that you saw that was being filmed in. So um, when everything was done, people would sleep in the rooms that you, that you usually didn't see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a little bit down the road, there was um, another house that sh- the rest of the people stayed at. Uh, mostly the the crew, but also a couple of the lucky actors, um, because it was much easier to stay in a house that wasn't also a film set. Mm. Fewer bugs, because you didn't have to be going in and out of it all the time. Uh, fewer bits of equipment or things that you just couldn't touch because they were set up there for, mm. for the next day. Um, also, we lived where Unit was, so we had first access to food. <laughs> oh, that was the best part. Mm. That was how we were paid. Was in food. Was in food. Mm. Yes. Oh, yeah, Sounds so, fair. <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't even think of being paid for this sort of thing because no. because it's again th- these sorts of films for people in this area. Um, you are generally doing it for interest in the project or mm. the the love of doing it, or or to get portfolio, yeah, um, portfolio. range and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so Dan is down as a food. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty easy for that. Yeah. Uh, if if I can make rent, then if you promise me food, mm. I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's a terrible thing to put out there. <laughs> no, my rates are uh, well established and and very reasonable. Mm. How much crockery, crockery was actually supplied and how much was already there at the house? Because there was a lot of plates and things that uh, mm-hmm. uh, were in the first couple of shots. Uh, every, everything was brought down. Uh, um, uh, and a good thing too, because quite a few of it broke uh, uh, in, in various little ways. Um, some deliberately, some not yeah, so well, deliberately. Funnily enough, the, the glass break scene where, where Daisy reaches over too quick and breaks, breaks the glass on the mm. table... It was all set up so that the glass would land harmlessly on a pillow by my side. First shot, and flings across the room and actually breaks and shatters everywhere. So that was nice. Mm. Yeah, so there were a couple of good uh, little moments um, during the film where things happened where you're like, I don't know if that was meant to happen, but it looks good. <laughs> yes. uh, such as uh, the one that you pointed out was of Kyle raising his hand in the air to make a point and smacking a light. Yeah, yeah it was completely by accident. I, we... we all had opportunities to hit that light because it was just annoyingly low-hanging mm. and really thin rice paper um, covering. Mm. So there were many finger holes in there. Mm. Luckily, they were also brought down because, um, yes, I absolutely accidentally just did that. Then. Mm. I mean, it looked great. Uh, I, I thought it was just, oh, yeah, that seems natural. But also, knowing you a little bit, <laughs> I was like, clumsy. Yep. yeah, that's that's a classic clumsy Dan moment. Classic uh, Dan. Dan. <laughs> I suppose the the final question uh for this trivia section is what was it like working with the cows because they're obviously oh, the big stars of this film so glad you mentioned that Stephen, because um uh you might say to yourself as you're watching this oh yeah okay they filmed some cows and then they slotted them in via editing behind <laughs> oh, 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 no nothing of the sort no we found cows and to get them in the right position robert woods Went into the field and he herded them right. by himself with a camera until they were in the position he wanted. He got them to stand still. He got them to move. He got them to group up. He was he was a cow wrangler and <laughs> holy hell, I'm so impressed. I, th- I think that was maybe my highlight of, of the whole experience was watching this man go, I want to get this shot. 
All right, stay here. And he just went and moved cows himself. <laughs> that impressive. Is, that yeah. is very impressive. So when you rewatch this film, dear listener, uh, please be in mind that uh, somebody just decided those cows had to be there and learned how to herd them. Um, so... All that being said, uh, and thank you for supplying the trivia. I am DB. Um, <laughs> that was that was delightful. Um, all we have left now to do is to score the film. Uh, Carmen, yeah, you get to go first because it was your first time watching this film. Um, what score would you give an ideal host out of ten? Uh, so I'm going to go six and a half hand blown lead free crystal cut wine glasses. <laughs> Out of ten, <laughs> marvelous memory for that. Yeah. Excellent. Yes, that was that was a very particular line. Uh, <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Yes, it was. I, I I just loved the references to the glassware throughout, though, where it was like, no, the glass, like, yeah, yeah. It was really... glasses break. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, Dan, you were in this film. Yes, I'm just saying it right now, just in case someone hasn't caught that in the <laughs> in the rest of the episode. Um, just in case they want to go, well, obviously he's going to give it whatever any umbrella gives it. Like, but but if you can, and you don't have to because you were in this film, mm. but if you would like to provide your objective score for this well, film, I, I can't objectively score it, of course. Okay, um, but I'll but I'll say I, I will try. Okay. Uh, so I um, uh, obviously when you when you're filming it, you don't quite know how it's going to turn out, and, and a lot of it's in the editing and yada yada. You don't know which shot they'll, they'll use, all that good stuff. Um, so when I when I finished filming it, I thought, oh yeah, cool, that'll that'll be fun, uh, and it turned out a lot better than I had thought. Not not that I thought it was going to be bad, just I thought, oh yeah, it's going to be at this level, and that's fine, and it, it exceeded that uh, for me. Um, I really love some of the performances in this. I think, as, as I said before, Nadia is is an absolute standout and is is just mwah, tremendous. A um, lot, lot of other awesome performances as well. Mm. Um, uh, big tip of the hat to um, uh, Naomi and to, to Tristan as well. Um, I'm going to give it 7 out of 10 repeated stabs to the face. Mm. <laughs> I think that's, that's fair. And... Um... Yeah. Also, one more fun bit of trivia. Oh, uh, oh in, bonus in my, trivia. In my small film career so far, that mm. is the second time I have drowned and the second time <laughs> I have been repeatedly stabbed by a woman to death. Right. I really hope it continues. You're being typecast here. Oh, that would be the best typecast. <laughs> Dan, Buckle, uh, Dan Buckle, very drownable, very stabbable. Very stabbable. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, it's work. <laughs> um, for me, I, I, I really wanted to have the opportunity to look at this film um, in, in this particular format because um, I, I think it's it's important that we, you know, cover local films like this when, when they arise. And we have quite a lot of films that get made here in WA um, and hopefully will continue to be made. Um, traditionally, this podcast is obviously a platform for more well-established films and about catching up on the films that, you know, you should have seen by now. Um, but occasionally I, I like to do something like this. We have a little special thing and there is a personal connection there. And I'm very upfront about this that, you know, I'm, I, I know a lot of people involved in this film and if I didn't, I probably wouldn't have elected to have this on the podcast. So if that is the case, then I'm going to be as objective as I can be in giving my score for this film, uh, which is why I would give it about a seven. I'm going to give it a seven, um, 
squiggly diggly spiders out of 10 um because if i'm being perfectly honest i had a better time with this film than i was anticipating purely just from a track record of other films made in wa that i've been to see some have been outstanding and beautiful but a lot have not reached the quality that this film did Mm -hmm. and it's very well made it's a bit rough around the edges in certain parts as we've discussed um but those rough edges for me don't detract from what is a very well-made film and all the more impressive because it was made with such a small budget and in such a condensed time frame Mm. Mm. Um, and the care that's clearly gone into it with the editing the sound design the way the images were not only shot but how they look um, with with um, with going through the editing process and colorization and all of this stuff Um, it's it is very well made and yeah, I have no reservations giving it a seven out of ten because I, it's I, it's good. I think Robert Woods himself would give it about a seven. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's uh, that's his thing. Uh, <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so, Dan and Carmen, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. Thank you. And Dan, an extra special thank you to you for um, agreeing to come on and discuss a film that you were in. It uh, was strange. I won't deny it. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, well, next time we'll get you on one that you haven't been in. How's that sound? Can Can I be on a film that you've been in? Um, well, I've only been in one film thing so far, but why uh, don't we review we review some of your adverts? <gasps> yes. You know what? Yes. <laughs> you know what? That's hey. a good point. Yeah. There's a hey. there's, yes. a, there's yep. a certain lottery advert you guys can review. <laughs> that was uh, there was a billboard of that at the end of my street. For so long, uh, I, I, I saw your face every morning. Oh, oh that's kind of nice. <laughs> it, it, it was. Yes. It was like, oh, it's, 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 yeah, he's won the lottery again. <laughs> um, yes, no, absolutely. If you want to do a highlight reel of the various adverts I've appeared in, go for it. Um, but no, thank you so much for, for going through this process, which, as you say, is, is a bit strange. Could have been weird, but um, and probably still was a bit weird in some respects, but... Um, I, I just really appreciate the fact we got to speak with someone that was actually involved in the process and understand a bit more behind it. So thank you for that. Pleasure. And for those of you listening at home, thank you so much for listening in as well. Uh, hey, we have a Patreon. Uh, we've discussed it already. We're going to discuss it again. Our Patreon is available at patreon.com forward slash podcast. You get all sorts of bonus goodies and extras there. So be sure to subscribe. The interview with Robert Woods will be available exclusively there um, for a time period. So if you want to hear his thoughts, please join up at patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. In fact, if you do it right now, it'll be there. So quick, go, go. Um, Also, there is our Facebook page. You can like us there. You can get updates about the program, vote and polls, all that sort of thing. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club in Facebook and make sure you are also subscribed to us. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. They're not just random words. They're the names of businesses that, that host these podcasts. Words with friends. Um, Candy Crush. Uh, Angry Birds. Yes, Dan has not updated his phone since 2012. <laughs> but, uh... That's so true. I have an S5. Uh, look if it still works keep going keep it keep going i don't think it's improved in any way Uh, but yes if you want to subscribe uh please do because you'll get a fresh episode each and every week Uh, but that is all for this week so until next time goodbye
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.